And this morning we are continuing our series in the book of Galatians. We are at the end of chapter 5. We're at Galatians 5, verses 13 through to 26. So if you have your Bible there, uh, please do turn up to that passage and the words will also appear on the screen today. It's entitled, Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying, each other. Amen. God will bless his reading from his holy word. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Galatians chapter 5 as we look at this passage uh, this morning. And just before we do so, let's just still ourselves before the Lord in prayer. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your words this morning, we ask that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from you, that you might minister to us, and that we might know that we have met with the true and living God. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, during our time looking at the book of Galatians, I hope that we have learned at least two things. Hopefully more than that, but hopefully we have learned at least two things. The first, that we have labored over this period because Paul has labored 
this over this period and throughout this letters, throughout this letter, is that we are saved not by works, but we are saved by grace. That has been Paul's constant refrain, that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ that has come by grace, and it is a gift of God. And throughout these number of weeks, we have constantly been seeing Paul emphasizing to the Galatians that they cannot add to the salvation that Jesus has bought for them, and that salvation does not come through keeping the law. It does not come by us being good people. And the second thing that I hope that we have seen, especially in the last uh, couple of weeks, is that freedom, true freedom, doesn't come through keeping the law. We saw this particularly last Sunday. Paul is quite clear that the law does not bring freedom. It brings slavery. But it's Jesus who brings freedom and life. So hopefully, so far, we have learned at least those two things. That salvation is all of grace, grasped by faith. That it's about trusting in the Lord Jesus. It's not about the law. And also that freedom does not come by being a a good person, by keeping the law. It comes by being in Jesus. Now this morning we come to a a really important passage at the end of chapter 5, which poses a really important question. You see, if we have been following Paul's argument throughout this letter that salvation is all about Jesus— all about grace, and that the law has no place in terms of salvation, the question therefore comes, how then should I live my life? What does the Christian life look like? Because if the law no longer applies to me, does that mean I can just do my own thing? Is that what it means? Does it mean that we can just indulge ourselves? Because it it doesn't really matter how we live out our lives, because God will forgive us anyway. Is that what this is about? And this is the question that Paul addresses in this passage today. How to live out the Christian life. What the Christian life looks like. Now today's passage can be divided roughly into four parts. Verses 13 to 15 introduce the whole idea of of living by the Spirit or living by the flesh. Verses 16 to 18 show that living by the Spirit is completely opposed to living by the flesh. Then verses 19 to 21 show what living by the flesh looks like. And then 22 to 26 show what living by the Spirit looks like. Now, of course, those last few verses, 22 to 26, famously speak about the fruit of the Spirit. If you didn't know any other passage in Galatians, you would perhaps know the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm sure at one time or another, we we have all heard sermons on the fruit of the Spirit, mainly one at a time. And I'm sure that we have done here in West Kilbride a series on the fruit of the Spirit at the evening service. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with doing the fruit of the Spirit individually and, and focusing on each one at a time. But the problem with that is we lose what the context of the whole is. And so today, rather than going into the nitty-gritty of, of love, joy, peace, etc., I want to give you a kind of overall picture. Where does this fit in? How does it help us in how we live out our Christian life? You see, is it true that if the Galatians were no longer constrained to keep the law, that they would just take advantage, that they would just live out their lives their own way, that they would indulge the flesh, as our passage says. And is this true of us? If we understand that salvation is all of grace, are we just going to live out our life our own way, thinking that, well, God forgives us anyway? Well, of course not. Just because we're free in Christ doesn't mean that we can do what we like. Rather, we are to serve one another in love, as Paul says at the beginning of this passage, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Paul, throughout this passage that we're focused upon today, makes this contrast, this deep contrast between living by the Spirit and living by the flesh. You see, for those who were advocating that the Galatian Christians were to keep the law, it was an easy accusation to make to them that if they didn't keep the law, then they would fall into lawlessness. And you can see the attractiveness of that, can't you? Because the law gives strict parameters of what you can and what you can't do. And if you aren't keeping the law, what is it, therefore, that constrains your behavior? What is it? Well, Paul says it's living by the Spirit. It's living by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, what does that mean? Is that not a bit woolly? How does the Spirit bring constraint into our life? What does this look like in the Christian life? Now, the most important thing to realize here is that when you're living and keeping the law to earn your salvation, which Paul says is completely wrong, when you do that, you're trying to do it in your own strength. You're trying to earn your way with God. If only I'm a good person. That's often the kind of view of the world, isn't it? I hope I'm a good enough person that when the end of my life comes, hopefully God will accept me. That's a forlorn hope. That is wrong. You're trying to do it in your own strength rather than rely on God. You see, if you're living in such a way, you're effectively saying that, that your external behavior is what makes the internal clean. But Paul has been arguing that's completely wrong. That's the wrong way around, because the gospel is all of grace. You see, the gospel is about Jesus dying on the cross for our sin in our place, that when we repent and believe and trust in Jesus by faith, then we are saved 
and we come into the kingdom of God. And Paul has been consistently saying that we don't earn our salvation, rather it is a gift for all who believe. We've seen how liberating that is. That it's not about being better than the people around you, because we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners who need to be saved. And here it is. Jesus died for your sin. It's a gift of grace. But when we are saved, when we come into the kingdom, sometimes we forget that something really, really important happens. And that's what I really want you to grasp today. When we believe and trust in Jesus, when we become a Christian, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God within us, dwelling within us, dwelling in our hearts. The power of God dwells within us. You see, if we are truly a Christian, then the Holy Spirit who dwells within us begins to work in us and changes us and molds us into the likeness of Jesus. And so instead of our external behavior and good works changing our heart, what I want you to see is that it's a changed heart. It's the power of God working from within that changes our attitudes and our words and our actions. Do we see the difference? Now, sometimes this happens straight away. There are lots of cases where where someone comes into the kingdom, they they become a Christian, and there are some really obvious changes. I know someone who who stopped swearing overnight, just stopped swearing. There's a famous case in the Alpha course where someone was a heroin addict, became a Christian. Overnight, they came off drugs. Now, how does that happen? Something like that doesn't happen because the person sits down and reads the Ten Commandments. Is it? Rather, it's the Spirit changing them within. Now, of course, some things in our life take a lot longer to change. But the reality is that if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts, that change ought to come and ought to be visible. And so what I want you to see this morning, if you grasp nothing else from the sermon today, the power of God, if you're a Christian, dwells within you. That's incredible, isn't it? Can you imagine that? What great truth that is. Now, as we just reflect on that for a moment, I want to drop straight down to the fruit of the Spirit. Some of us here will know the fruit of the Spirit well. You'll have learned them at at Sunday school. There are various songs about the fruit of the Spirit. You'll be familiar with the fruit of the Spirit and their characteristics. And I'm sure that you will have heard sermons on each one of the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., I'm going to be honest with you this morning. You know, sometimes when I hear sermons on the fruit of the Spirit, I feel guilty. 
And maybe you do too. You see, we might hear a sermon on love, the first fruit of the Spirit. And we, we strive, don't we? Oh, I've got to be more loving. And then we hear one on joy, and, and we try to be more joyful. And then we hear peace, and, and, and we try to be more peaceful, and, and patience or forbearance, and then kindness. And we think through all these things, and, and before we know it, we're, we're trying to show all these characteristics And we're probably failing because by the time we've got to patience, I've forgotten what love is. By the time we've got to peace, I've forgotten what joy is. And so there's a cycle. So often we come to the fruit of the Spirit as if the fruit of the Spirit are some kind of moral code that we are to strive towards. And again, what happens? We fall into legalism. Instead, I believe we need to take them all together as a one. And to remember that each characteristic that is named here is fruit of the Spirit. You see, what Paul is saying is that when you are a Christian, when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and are forgiven and changed, and you've received the Holy Spirit within, then the Holy Spirit dwelling within brings fruit. It changes your behavior. You aren't who you were before. The old has gone and the new has come. And when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, it isn't about striving to be a better person. What is it? Instead, It's living in step with the Spirit, living to the glory of God and being the person God has created you to be. How liberating is that? Now, quite often we get this wrong, and I'll give you an example. You see, maybe as you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you you realize there's one in particular that you struggle with. When we did this at our evening services, I think the one people struggle with most was patience. We're all impatient. We struggle with it. Now, the temptation for us, if we're struggling in that area, is what? It's to strive harder to be patient, isn't it? Strive. Try in your own strength. But ultimately, if we simply try to be more patient, we will fail because we're doing it in our own strength. Instead, if there is an area in our lives that we struggle with, what we ought to pray is that the Lord would help us to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we should pray. And as we know the reality of the Holy Spirit dwelling within, then our life will change. You see the difference? You see, it's the Holy Spirit dwelling within which allows us to produce good fruit. Now, as we think through these things, I want us to be aware that in all of this, It's not to say that we don't still struggle with the desires of the flesh, as as Paul puts it. As long as we are here on earth and in this broken and sinful world, we will face temptations and struggles. But if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within, we are called to keep in step with the Spirit 
and to heed his power in our lives. And throughout this passage before us, Paul makes it clear that it isn't appropriate for a a Christian to, to use their freedom to indulge the flesh because the spirit and the flesh are in conflict with each other. And so if you've truly got the Holy Spirit dwelling within, the things of the flesh are not what you desire to do as you let the Holy Spirit work in your life. You see, Paul, of course, highlights what the acts of the flesh are. But the fact is that anyone living like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because if they're living like that, well, it's quite clear that their life has been unchanged by the Holy Spirit. And in living that way, they're showing that they aren't true believers. The Spirit isn't living within them. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Jesus says, You will know them by your fruit. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is speaking about false prophets. But what Jesus goes on to say is universally applicable. He says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And so it's true in the Christian life. If you are truly a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you bear good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is not what saves you. Rather, it reveals that the Holy Spirit is working within and affirms you as a true believer. And yes, there'll still be temptations and struggles with sin. And when that happens, we're called to repent and to turn back. And to seek to continue to live by the Spirit and in step with the Spirit. So I hope that you see today that for a true Christian who has truly believed and who is truly free, that as the Spirit works within them, that they are changed. You see, as you consider the fruit of the Spirit, all these godly characteristics, who do they remind you of? They ought to remind you of Jesus, the one who is most spirit-filled of all. And the amazing thing is that when we believe in Jesus, we receive the same Holy Spirit who molds us into the likeness of Christ. Now as we close today, I just want to say two things. If you're not a Christian here today, if you realize that you've been trying to earn your salvation, if you realize you've been trying to be a good person, just hoping it's going to be all right at the end of time, you're on the broad road to destruction. But Jesus says there is another way. There is a narrow way. Not many people find it. It's the way of grace. Grasped by faith. You see, when you acknowledge that you're a sinner, as we all are, that we cannot earn our salvation, as we trust in the Lord Jesus, thanking him for all that he did at Calvary, then the Holy Spirit comes within 
and our lives are completely changed. So if you're not a Christian here today or watching online, I simply say to you, stop trusting in yourself. Trust in Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit and be changed. But if you are a Christian today, we need to marvel at this passage. We need to marvel at the reality in this passage that the Holy Spirit dwells within. Is that not a wonderful thing? And if we truly want to live a Christian life, it's not about striving. It's not about striving to be a better person. It's not about keeping the law. Rather, it's by trusting that the Holy Spirit dwells within and He changes us, helps us to bear good fruit. This morning, if you're a Christian, you're called to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. And maybe this morning, as we've looked at this passage, you realize, you know, you kind of lost your way a bit. You've not seen the realities, the truth in this passage. Repent, believe once more, and find the freedom that is in Christ.